0: There are some people that have done some bad things. And I feel that I owe it to them and to you to call them out on it. And that's why we bring you this week's edition of... The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciations. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, A lot of folks are worthy... Of being denounced. And I begin (laughs) with 12 members of the New York City Sheriff's Office. You know, this Sheriff's Office has not had a lot of scrutiny. Both the current sheriff and the previous sheriff, I get the sense they're just as shady as can be. And pretty dishonest, honestly. But I'm denouncing the 12 members of the New York City Sheriff's Office. Who have been suspended without pay on Tuesday for taking liquor and other goods that had been confiscated from bars and clubs that were raided during the peak of the pandemic for violating shutdown rules. So, what happened was the sheriff's office would shut down these places. They said, I can't believe they're serving drinks in here. They shut it down and then they steal the booze. This is ridiculous. Apparently, they stole the seized items from a storage unit in Long Island City, and some of the members are also facing discipline for filing false overtime sheets. Uh, among those suspended are an under sheriff, at least three sergeants, and multiple deputy sheriffs. You know, I don't want to be too harsh with these people, uh, but why aren't these people being fired? If I'm ever the New York City sheriff and something similar happens, you will be Terminated. I will do a Ronald Reagan air traffic controller routine to you. In fact, I'm going to I'm just going to have these people go into room after room. You have Reagan saying you'll you're terminated on one monitor and then Trump saying you're fired on another monitor. So that's it. Hey, I want to also denounce uh, the head of the American Federation of Teachers, Randy Weingarten. Because uh, Randy Weingarten spoke to Congress last week, and we talked about it in the context of Marjorie Taylor Greene. But Randy Weingarten had a great deal to be ashamed of as well, because Randy Weingarten cited a scientific study to argue to Congress that schools should have been kept closed at the height of the pandemic. Well, she completely fudged the study. That's not me saying that. That's the author of the study saying it. Dr. Tracy Hoeg, who co-authored a January 2021 study posted by the CDC that detailed low levels of coronavirus transmission in school um, misrepresented the. What Dr. Hoeg said was that Weingarten misrepresented the evidence in her testimony to the House Select Subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic. The Dr. Hoge said in a lengthy Twitter thread we saw remarkably low in school transmission and no repeat no transmission to teachers the fact the CDC was taking the advice of the AFT and not the scientists publishing on this topic in their own journal and without considering the data from Europe seems to have played a role in the massive error That left millions of U.S. kids out of school unnecessarily, 100%. By the way, that school closing for as long as it was is one of the great tragedies in my lifetime and I think in American history. And shame on everybody that was advocating for these school closures, especially Randy Weingarten. And you know what? You could say what you want about Bill de Blasio. You could say what you want about Donald Trump. Both of those guys were out there right away saying let's get the schools open as soon as it was, it was clear that it was safe to do so those guys regardless of what you might think of them both of those guys were saying let's reopen the schools and it was people like Randy Weingarten that were the hindrance to that now look hindsight's 2020 i don't want to um you know what you don't know you don't know but Weingarten misrepresented Hoags study. As part of her testimony, Weingarten mentioned this study multiple times as evidence that schools needed layered mitigation to reopen. She said this in her prepared remarks, so she wasn't speaking off the cups, off the cuff. And she said in her remarks that Hoag was quite complimentary at the time about the work we were doing. Now that's completely false. Hoag was not complimentary at the time. And he was not consulted when she put together her testimony. She lied. She was completely dishonest with Congress and, by extension, the public. Randy Weingarten, I do denounce you. I must also denounce West Virginia. They are number one. They had a lot of competition. It's very, very tough. West Virginia is number one. As the most overweight and obese state in the United States. Yes, that's right. According to WalletHub and the most recent data from the CDC, West Virginia is the most overweight and obese state in the entire country. More than 7 in 10 U.S. adults aged 20 and older are either overweight or obese. West Virginia is listed as having the highest percentage of of, uh, obese adults. The fourth highest percentage of obese children. The fourth highest percentage of overweight children. It is tied for first with having the highest percentage of adults with high cholesterol. Third in the percentage of adults with type 2 diabetes. And third in percentage of adults with high blood pressure. And apparently rates, uh, rising rates are due to this combination of genetic and environmental factors, along with lack of exercise and increased intake of unhealthy processed food. Now, There's a lot of great listeners in West Virginia, and I don't mean to pick on you, but I am mentioning this to highlight a real public health crisis, and I think something has got to be done about this. I don't know if we need to start airdropping Ozampic from the sky with an instruction, inject me. Uh, I don't know if it's a public awareness campaign or public education campaign. I don't know if we need more stringent physical education standards in school. I don't know if um, we need to do something about the kind of uh, food that's being served in school in West Virginia. but Or maybe it's some combination of everything that I just mentioned. But West Virginia has got to get get its act together here. This is really, really frightening. And not that the whole country is is the picture of physical fitness but the fact that West Virginia is the most obese in a very obese country is a frightening situation for people that live there. West Virginia, I do denounce you. I must also denounce mobile phone use. A new study has uh, said that talking on the phone for 30 minutes a week increased risk of heart attack, Stroke and high blood pressure. Can you imagine that? Researchers are claiming that people who spend just 30 minutes talking on their mobile phone a week have a higher risk of stroke and heart attacks. A team of scientists said radio waves emitted by the endemic devices cause high blood pressure in users over a prolonged period of time. I believe this. I believe it. The experts said data showed those talking on a mobile phone for 30 minutes or more a week had a 12% higher risk of the condition than those who spent less time chatting. High blood pressure is linked to an increased risk of stroke and heart attacks, and around one in four adults in the UK has the condition. I'll tell you one of the reasons this study rings true to me. There have been a lot of instances where I'll have my mobile phone next to my computer or next to my computer speaker, and right when the phone starts to ring, the computer monitor or the computer speaker gets all gurgled and distorted, and that's from the radiation on the mobile phone. So if that's what it's doing to another electronic device, think about what it's doing to your insides. So, I believe this. I believe this. So, uh, this is from, this was written in the European Heart Journal. And we'll see where this goes. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more study on this. I want to denounce Jorge Ignacio Aponte Gonzalez. I I just can't outstand people like this. This is a 41-year-old Florida dad who sucker-punched An unsuspecting umpire who also happens to be a military veteran, but that's beside the point. The umpire, not the dad. During his son's high school baseball game last month, Jorge Ignacio Aponte Gonzalez threw the haymaker after his son began to mouth off at the popular umpire during the contest. That's the word according to the county sheriff's office down there in Florida. The umpire is obviously going to maintain control of the game because that's what they're there to do to make sure kids learn all about sportsmanlike conduct. Lopez said, the, that's the county sheriff, um, Marco Lopez. Lopez said the umpire, whose name was not released, but who is 63 years old, told the youth, the young man, this guy's son, to compose himself. The kid was being disruptive. So according to the sheriff, the umpire's like, hey, tone it down. They went back and forth a little bit. I don't know exactly what was exchanged, but that is what upset the father. Let me tell you something. If my father, who at different times has been my baseball coach, different times umpired in Little League games that I was in, I I didn't make my high school team um, except as a freshman, so he wouldn't have had this opportunity in high school. But if my father ever saw me mouth off to an umpire, The one that he would be punching would not be the umpire. I mean, you wonder where kids learn this kind of behavior. It's from the kind of person that would assault an umpire. This is disgraceful. The problem of parents attacking league officials or even just razzing them is very serious. And, you know, look, I get excited by youth sports, and I'm sure if my son is participating, I'll be even more excited. You will not see me ever curse at or assault a youth sports official. These people are either volunteering their time or working for peanuts, and they're not professionals. And I mean, the fact that they get grief from people like you, it's disgraceful. And For you to teach your son that that's acceptable behavior, I mean, I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to begin. So Jose, excuse me, Jorge Ignacio Aponte Gonzalez, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the Girls' Day School Trust in the U.K. You see a teacher in the U.K., was pressured to apologize after she misgendered some students. This is an expensive private school in the UK, and the students are 11-year-olds, and they were reportedly displeased after the teacher addressed them with, good afternoon, girls, at the beginning of a lesson. Some of the students told the teacher that not everyone in here identifies as female. With others later writing their names and pronouns on the board for the teacher's edification, I give up. I, I give up. You can't say "Good afternoon, girls" at what's clearly a girls' school, and this teacher is basically forced with a gun to her head to apologize to these eleven-year-olds. These eleven-year-olds—they're uh, not everyone identifies as female. I, I give up. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. So the fact that this school trust, the Girls Day School Trust, would not stand by the teacher. okay let's say she did accidentally misgender some of the girls or people. Is it that big of a deal? She clearly made an honest mistake. The teacher who spoke to the Daily Mail on condition of anonymity said the experience was humiliating and embarrassing. You know, I bet it was. I bet it was. There's no reason a teacher should have to go through this. You know what? If a teacher goes out of her way or his way to be insulting or to be a bully to a transgender student or something along those lines, by all means, discipline the teacher, force the teacher to apologize, maybe, get, maybe suspend the teacher. But if a teacher makes an honest mistake, and I question whether this is even a mistake, But if a teacher makes an honest mistake and just says, good afternoon, girls, do you have to make a federal case out of it? What happened to just letting things go? Um, So I'm very disappointed in that. Girls Day School Trust, I do denounce you. I must also denounce ESPN. During the ESPN on ABC broadcast of Game 1 between the Knicks and the Heat last Sunday... NBA fans noticed a jarring video used as the broadcast used a video of the Statue of Liberty. Very nice. But in the background of the Statue of Liberty, the Twin Towers could be seen. As we all know, the Twin Towers were destroyed in a terrorist attack more than 20 years ago. I I just don't understand how... The people at ESPN or ABC say, huh, the games in New York, we're going to show bumper shots of the exterior footage of New York, but we have none from the last 20 years. So let's show people a reminder of one of the most painful incidents in New York, New York history and American history and pass it off as if it's happening now. Maybe no one will notice that the Twin Towers are there, right? I mean, I just don't understand how that goes on. There's nothing more recent than 20 years ago. ESPN, I do denounce you. I want to denounce any college that is having segregated college um, graduation activities. These colleges are holding... Segregated graduation events, multiple colleges across the country are holding different graduation events for students based on their ethnicity and their sexuality. University of Oklahoma, Illinois State University, Georgetown University, California Polytechnic Institute, Polytechnic State University, excuse me, Arizona State University, Grand Valley State University and Harvard University are all having separate graduation events based on race and sexual orientation. This is just a small part of what's happening on college campuses. This is all in the name of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But I find this to be incredibly divisive. I don't find this to be inclusive at all. I mean, people during the civil rights movement worked so hard... To end segregation in this country. And then for the 20 years after that. People all over the world. Including in the United States. Worked to end segregation in South Africa. Through apartheid. And yet these schools. Somehow think that bringing back. Segregated graduation events. Is going to. Help the cause of diversity. No. Having blacks and whites. Hispanics and Asians all be treated the same way and interacting with one another in a colorblind manner, that's what will help the racial situation. Not having separate but equal graduation ceremonies. This is I don't know who comes up with these things and says, yeah, that's a good idea. Hey, why don't we let the blacks do their own thing, the Hispanics do their own thing, the Asians do their own thing. Uh, Maybe we get the Jews in a separate section, throw the women over there, the gays over here. I mean, and... I I don't know how this idea comes up. And they say, oh, yeah, okay, let's go. Let's let's do it. So for all those colleges and any other colleges that are engaging in institutionalized segregation. I do denounce you. I must denounce Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson is on trial for being the courtyard killer. And look, he is entitled to the presumption of innocence. So I'm not going to prejudge him. But I must say, he is seeming pretty guilty. I am judging him for his defense. So Randy Johnson, the so-called courtyard killer, uh, upstate New York, Poughkeepsie, trial began Wednesday afternoon before the Dutchess County Court Judge, Edward McLaughlin. This guy is facing very serious charges, facing life in prison for the death of uh, Paul Cutts in the lobby of the courtyard by Marriott Hotel in Poughkeepsie. And the DA's office told the jury that they would hear testimony from another witness who was in the lobby when Johnson pointed a gun at her before firing and missing. So gunfire from Johnson's Glock, modified to fire in a fully automatic manner, struck Paul Cutts. And took the life of the 56-year-old who was in town to see his son at Marist College. And as guests were fleeing the lobby, the prosecutor says the defendant recklessly fired many more shots through the inside of that lobby, emptying the magazine before reloading the automatic pistol with an extended, larger-capacity magazine. So, why am I denouncing him? if we're not yet ready to convict him. Well, Joseph Galino, the attorney for this brain surgeon, tells the jury, it is 1,000% true that Roy Johnson was firing the Glock firearm inside the lobby of that hotel. But then he gets to stressing the reasonable doubt defense. He implied that based on the pattern of the bullet holes in the lobby... Johnson could not have targeted Cuts directly and struck him only with only one bullet. The round that killed Mr. Cuts was not possibly fired from Mr. Johnson's firearm that he was firing in that lobby. Johnson's accomplice, Devin Taylor, was using a 22 pistol that day and Galino said Cuts was not killed by Taylor's weapon. Devin Taylor pled guilty to his role in the death of Paul cutson and's been sentenced to 22 years to life in prison so this is absurd so the defendant is trying the old I couldn't have killed him he was only shot once defense I mean, this is insane this is insane um this lawyer should never be hired by anybody the fact that he goes to a jury with a straight face and say yeah Yeah, my client shot him, but that's not what killed him. Something else did. That's some defense. The way I was shooting up that place with my machine gun, I would have hit him at least a dozen times if it was me. I mean, that's the defense. It's so absurd. So uh, I have a feeling we know how this trial is going to end. if I were this gentleman's attorney, I would have tried to get him to take a plea just like his co-defendant did. All right. Uh, I want to denounce the Ohio Supreme Court. G O G. Why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, did I ever leave Ohio? Here's why September 2020, Donald Bertram pulls up to Tiffany, excuse me, Timothy Huff's house as Huff did yard work. Okay. Follow me so far? Got it. Donald Bertram hops out. He walks into the open garage and picks up a $500 leaf blower that did not belong to him, that belonged to Mr. Huff. And he drove off. Now, what would you call that? I would call it blatant theft. Well, that's why I would never make it on the Ohio Supreme Court. Because the Ohio Supreme Court on Wednesday ruled that Bertram... Did not commit burglary because he did it in plain view, without force, stealth, or deception. Congratulations, Ohioans. You now have a license to steal, as long as you don't do it with force, as long as you do it without deception, and right out in the open. You got to be very brazen with your theft in the state of Ohio. So the court actually tossed out this guy's conviction. And then they said to the lower court, well, yeah, go ahead and convict him of misdemeanor criminal trespassing. This guy, and I think this was an excessive sentence, this guy had been sentenced to 8 to 12 years in prison on the burglary offense. But Huff told the jury that Bertram, that's the guy that was originally convicted, had a smile on his face leading him to believe initially that he wasn't there to steal anything. When Huff told him to stop and put down the blower, Bertram put it in the passenger seat. This guy, the guy whose leaf blower it is, is taking pictures the whole time. And this guy just drives off. This is crazy. But, sure enough, according to the Ohio Supreme Court, he did not commit burglary under Ohio law because... He did not gain access to Huff's garage by force, stealth, or deception. Well, I know we have a lot of listeners in Ohio. If if you're going to steal, do it right out in the open. Don't use stealth. Don't use deception. Steal very openly. Jeez. Ohio Supreme Court, I do denounce you.